do you know somebody who could use a wee minding? Then check out ouijiwellbeing.co.uk. Ouija Wellbeing gift boxes are compiled with rebalance and good vibes in mind. With a wee bit of Glasgow cheek. It incorporates products from small Glaswegian businesses, because we all like to support local. The You're My Pure Hero gift box is perfect for a legend in your life. The Cam Dune kit for those with frazzled brains. And the Bigian Wellbeing box, just to name a few. Our profits go towards providing free lifestyle and wellbeing workshops for youth and community groups in Glasgow and here at Sunny G. If you've got a group or organisation that could benefit from workshops, then give us a shout, ouijiwellbeing.co.uk. Fe chaos to harmony. Trigger warning for the following show, which contains information that some listeners may find sensitive, describing the physical, emotional and mental aspects of endometriosis and the road to diagnosis, which can be problematic, how it can affect different bodily systems and impact lives. So welcome Cheryl Johnson to the show. How are you, Cheryl? Hi, thank you. I'm good, thanks. So we're on a Zoom call and isn't it fitting that we've already, we've obviously had some symptoms this week. Yeah. <laughs> and um, we're working around it. You are looking like a brunette version of Marilyn Monroe. And I'm just out of the shower, having dealt with some pain and, yeah, not exactly looking my best. So, Cheryl, you have been quite a, quite a bit of an online goddess because you're really into your beauty, but it's all about enhancing what you've yeah. got. You do like some of the more... Um, I don't want to say severe, but, you know, like the, the use of 25 to 30 products, but you're also into like natural beauty. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. I like, um, I do like using like loads of stuff, like I'll layer up my makeup and I'll like putting loads of highlights on different eyeshadows and things like that. But I'm also like looking into what's going into my bloodstream and think because like what we'll put on the outside goes in. So I am kind of taking that more into consideration now. We're going to chat about both our journeys, really, because they've ended up overlapping and being quite similar. So you have been diagnosed with endometriosis and also fibromyalgia. You have also had quite a journey, actually, because we've done a show in the past, which was about alcohol and your relationship with alcohol and how that affected your whole life, really. You came out of, well, not fully out of the journey. It's always transitioning, isn't it? The mental health aspects of that. And you really had made progress and then you were hit with all the physical symptoms of yeah. endo, fibro. Could you just give us a little bit of a a description basically of your story and your life in the lead up to this diagnosis? Well, I've always had pretty painful heavy periods like all my life and I was just really sleepy and it was like unexplainable. Every month I'd be pretty bad, like with my periods, but I just kind of drilled with it for years. But when I had hit 22, I had my daughter, Bethany, my first child, and I got really severe postnatal depression and um, it was really bad and my body just hurt, everything hurt. I couldn't get out of bed and my mental health, like I'd never felt like that before. I was put on antidepressants and my mum moved in with me for a bit and I got help and I did get better with the depression, but I was, I'd never got right then with the pain in my body and the fatigue. And I was just on different antidepressants and I'd go to the doctors and they'd say, it's your depression, it's your depression. And I'd be like, but I'm in so much pain and like the tiredness and the weakness and 
the periods over time were still getting worse and worse. Like I could be in bed with them for like a week. When I was 25, they did some blood tests and I got diagnosed with underactive thyroid. And I thought, oh, that's what it is. Brilliant. I'm going to take my medication and feel better. And they got my thyroid levels right through levothyroxine and I still didn't feel any better. And it just went on for years and change your um, antidepressants. Um, I've had blood tests and irons been up and down. So I've been on iron, vitamin D, like things like that. And But I've never felt like quite right. But when I was 25 till about 30, it was a bit of a traumatic time for me anyway. And um, then hitting 30, um, something happened. It was a huge trauma and it's something that I'm still dealing with now. It's never going to be right. So I kind of have to accept that. And although like I do therapy and things like that, and I can cope with it now on a day-to-day basis, I still think it comes out in my body sometimes as well, you know, physical. Over the past 10 or so years, the symptoms have just got worse and worse. I've got like migraines, um, IBS, just pain that's spread from my neck and shoulders to like all of my body, um, not being able to get out of bed for days. Sometimes it's gone on for weeks and I kept going back to the doctors and I felt like a hypochondriac, you know, because it's like there's nothing particularly wrong with me, but there is. The endometriosis at that point were getting worse and worse and I didn't know I I had endometriosis and I'd go to the doctors and one doctor said, you know, take evening primrose, I'll try this. And I'm like, that is not going to work. Like I'm I'm laid up with this. And every time I'd get the endo attacks, the fibromyalgia attacks, I'd have a full-blown flare-up. So then I was literally spending my life in bed. Anyway, he sent me to the gynecologist eventually, and that was only like a year and a bit ago, maybe two years ago. And it turned out I had endometriosis. And um, luckily I had endometrial ablation. That's it, I can never remember the name. And um, that actually stopped the bleeding completely, which is fantastic. But I still have the pain for some reason. And I still have the migraines. And I still have all like the other symptoms. And that always seems to trigger off like the fibromyalgia flares as well. I have depression and anxiety as well, um, but it's a vicious circle with the depression and anxiety because in order to help the depression, I need to be out there doing things, but it makes the fibromyalgia worse. You know, like I have to really try and balance things out. Um, So it it is like a bit of a vicious circle. Um, The fibromyalgia diagnosis is really difficult. Like, I mean, it's been depression for years you know it's and and other things or it must be a thyroid and things like that and it's so hard but eventually like I kept at it with the doctors and they did a load of tests it was just yeah it's looking like fibromyalgia I'm still waiting to see the rheumatologist I do have appointment coming for that but yeah it's, it's been quite a journey um because there's so many things like similar to like fibromyalgia as well so it's really hard for the doctors as well to pinpoint but yeah, that's been my journey so far. It's one of those things as a culture, we're trying to look for one reason, one root cause of everything, but it's often really complex. And it's interesting because you were obviously diagnosed with the thyroid issues quite early on before you even got to any diagnosis with you know fibro and then eventually endometriosis. We're not sure which would have been there first, if that makes sense or what was manifesting, what's caused a knock-on effect. 
definitely the endocrine system is so sensitive to our modern life and the things that we absorb through our gut, through our minds, you know, build up of toxins within the liver. There's a lot of theory into um, the medical medium theory, basically, as to why endometriosis is so prevalent now. Um, if anyone's interested in that, it's definitely one to read. Whether you want to believe it fully or not, it's still so important to kind of have that approach to your life. And for those that haven't really encountered endometriosis or they know someone that has it, they might just think it's something like period pains and heavy blood loss kind of thing. Let's talk about how varied it is and what the symptoms are about, because a lot of people actually don't realise how much of a broad illness it actually is. Um, I'm going to take a description here from the endometriosis website, um, Endometriosis UK. So endo is a disease where tissue that's similar to the lining of the uterus grows outside the uterus and it causes pain and or infertility. Um, it says that it can cause severe life impacting pain during periods, during intercourse, bowel movements and urination. It can cause chronic pelvic pain, abdominal bloating, nausea, fatigue, and sometimes depression, anxiety, and infertility. And it's a variable and broad symptom range, which means endometriosis can mean that healthcare workers do not easily diagnose it. And many individuals suffering from it have limited awareness of the condition. So at present, there is no known cure for endometriosis and tre treatment is usually aimed at controlling symptoms. Before we get on to the part of um, how it's affected us and how broad it's been for us, I want to just say something about the whole there is no cure because that's used in quite a lot of chronic conditions. There is no one quick fix method that will obliterate this. The way our Western culture approaches disease is that we're looking for one way to cure things. Quite often we're overlooking the prevention of something, so there could be a lot of evidence pointing towards how you could prevent having something, such as, let's look at cancer. So many studies showing like 60% of cancers are linked to processed meats, for one. There's all this evidence, but we're not focusing on the prevention of something. We're looking at the cure because we feel we're in a crisis and that's the way we we approach things. We're looking for something that can help alleviate the symptoms and, and obliterate it all with a, with a pill, basically, or with a treatment. Um, and we're not in any way shunning this approach. It's just that we're going to open up the opportunity for people to explore the ways in which we can prevent something becoming more problematic or we could reduce some of the symptoms or reduce the impact on our lives and how it is actually important to look at the layers and unravel it all and look at things underneath that could be manifesting illness within us. It can affect other organs. The lining can actually bond to other organs of the body and can cause distortions. Um, it can stick organs together. So you can imagine that the nearest ones to the uterus would be like the bowel and the bladder. So they're quite often affected. And you and I have had that unfortunate um, experience. <laughs> and so hopefully that will open up 
the awareness a wee bit more to those that don't really know what endo is all about and how it can affect your whole body. The fatigue is a terrible one. I find so debilitating. You're the same, it's, yeah. The pain gets so intense. Um, I've had children and it's so similar to labour where I've just been curled up, sweating buckets, wanting to vomit, you know, with the pain. It's been so bad. And the mental health aspect of it, every time I were getting close to having a period, like my mental health would plummet so bad. I've been a bit like rock bottom with it, like really rock bottom mental health wise. And you're similar in the sense where it's almost like you're having to block off the full week of your diary for that month because it's not just the cramps, it's like the lead up to it, the fatigue is debilitating. Can you explain to the listeners to describe how it's not just like feeling really tired, does it? For me, it felt like having the flu and a hangover every month and I'd get the pain in my ovaries, which would go right around my back, migraines, and these symptoms would start building up about I'd get through ovulation and I'd start getting pain in ovulation. Then it would build up from ovulation and just get worse and worse. I stood up, I'd be weak and just want to pass out or my body would be shaking. Um, I'd just be laid up in bed for days with like the fatigue was overwhelming. And I think we're basically just doing the best for what we can. And we've really explored and we've researched and we're just trying to take back some power. And I'm hoping that this show helps encourage people and find ways forward as well, dealing with all of the different aspects of it. I'm just going to read out some facts and figures, basically. It's now looking like one in 10 women of reproductive age, um, one in 10 will suffer from endometriosis. That's pretty high. And it's also the second most common gynecological condition in the UK. So it's affecting about 1.5 million women in the UK. Just to compare, that's like a similar number of women who are affected by diabetes. And we all know that there's quite a a drive for looking at the causes of of diabetes and obesity. And yeah, it seems to have quite a good coverage in the mainstream media. But endo is just starting to get a little bit more of a focus. On average, it takes about eight years from your onset of symptoms to get a diagnosis. So for you, Cheryl, it's hard to tell, isn't it? But because you've had the overlap of the fibro and the other aspects of, you know, we know stress can impact the body and create physical symptoms. So it's kind of hard to tell how long we've both had it. But I would say that all the telltale signs were there. You had terrible period pains when you were young. I definitely did as well. I would be absolutely incapable of doing anything once they hit and it was from an early age it was from about the age of 13 actually when my cycle had started I remember I would get this feeling in my knees it didn't matter where I was I just knew as soon as I got this kind of weakness in my knees I knew I had to get home because within minutes I would have these crippling pains that would just like buckle your legs or it would have the opposite effect. You're in so much pain. You'll know what I mean by this, actually, because you've had this as well. You're in so much pain that you can't stay still, that you're actually lying on a bed, buckled over, but you have to kick your legs to take your mind away from the pain in your stomach. So, yeah, I think it's hard to say. I was diagnosed with chronic fatigue syndrome after I hit a couple of real crashes, one in my early 20s, and then later on when I was around 30. 
a crash that had impacted every area of my life, really, my, my work life, my social life, my relationships. It's hard to maintain friendships unless you're able to go out and do those things that friends expect you to do. In general, yeah, it, it's been similar to yourself. We were thinking it was one thing that had been diagnosed, but then later on, we find out it's something else. So looking back in hindsight, we can perhaps say, well, what, what if it was always endometriosis, but we hadn't had it diagnosed? What if it was always an endocrine um, imbalance? You know, our hormones have been imbalanced from a, a very young age. So it's looking at all the different layers, all the different factors that come into it and treating these root causes. A lot of people are looking for one root cause. I notice in our culture, it's always like, but what is it? Like that one thing they're looking for. That's why I ended up getting into holistic therapies. I studied and I tried to change aspects of my life. And I know that you're at that that stage as well now, aren't you? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I've been um, looking at what I'm eating. Um, I've had a lot of good advice off of you and I've not always taken it. And <laughs> Part of the journey, I, uh... you, you, you kind of hear, hear these things. And, and in your head, you're like, that makes sense. I need to do yeah. this, but it's so hard. You need to go through that learning process. Gut imbalances as well. So there's bad bacteria that's screaming out for sugar. So you're actually feeling this great need for sugar. You, you're looking for comfort because your mental health's been imbalanced as well because of all of the symptoms that you're suffering, all of the implications in your life. So it's like going through that whole journey and I've seen that you've been there where you totally are an intelligent woman and you know how everything interconnects, but you'll maybe be like, oh, life's too short or I'll be okay. I'll deal with, I'll deal with it afterwards. It might just upset me for a couple of days, but I'll deal with it and then it's like oh no you hate yourself don't you and you realize it's so not worth it after being so poorly like two days because you've eaten cheese (laughs) yeah absolutely (laughs) inflammatory foods is one of the most under underestimated and (laughs) undercovered as well undercovered is that the right word it's not it's not covered enough we're told when we're when we're growing up they're always going on about a balanced diet and it's usually that our institutions, our education system, we're always shown the eat well plate, which is a plate that shows what you should be eating in one day. And there's normally meat there, cheeses, glutens, your fruit and veg and things like that. And it's not necessarily been helpful because people like ourselves have had to unlearn a lot of the things that have added to our experience. to put it out there that this is a really sensitive subject and a lot of people they don't like the thought of people trying to claim that you can be cured by just changing certain aspects of your life like diet and mindset and things like what you're putting into your body and how you're affecting your adrenal gland how you're affecting your hormones maybe you've not made the links we're not trying to claim this is a cure it's definitely something to look at from a holistic manner look at everything in your life that is going to be having an effect no matter how much you feel that mindset works i've noticed that people have come to learn the power of energy energy being everything mindset being able to get you through all sorts of challenges but i think going down that road we've also we've kind of minimized the impact of how modern life and all the chemicals and the way we eat 
and all of the various hormone disruptors in our food sources, um, fertilizers, genetically modified stuff, things that even the animals absorb, things that the animals are fed because of us in our meat industries and in our fishing industries, everything is just a huge chain of things that come together and we absorb through our gut other toxins like alcohol smoking and even our environments that that we live in day to day what we put on our skin um i know that you've got a brilliant interest in that now so i'm going to let you take over and you can let us know about the aspects of everyday life really that you didn't expect would be problematic like you've just mentioned cheese there for one and I know there's been a lot of aspects with judgment and trying to find a balance with working life could you tell us a little bit about some of the aspects that were quite surprising for you yeah definitely um certain foods I've noticed enhance my pain levels for sure and my sinus problems um I seem to get reactions and my sinuses go pretty bad and I get these migraines and everything with certain foods so eliminating those I found that's eased it quite a bit um and then if I go back to eat them it comes again so I know there's like a link there with that um work's been tough like over the years because I've tried to go on as normal, like full time, and I used to do night shifts, on today shifts, and all things like that. And I'd be off sick so much. And people used to, I think that they, they didn't believe me. They were like, "She can't be sick again. What's up with her now?" Type of thing. And I just literally, I'd, I'd, I'd collapse. You know, like I, I'd come home and I'd, that'd be me, and I'd be saying to my husband, "I, I can't go in tomorrow. I, I can't move." And you know, that went on for years and I was just fighting and fighting, trying to keep going. Um, friends and family, like, it, it's really difficult with friendships because you can't, you don't know from day to day what you're going to be like or what you're going to wake up like. So planning everything like or planning anything, that's like pretty much out of the question because you just don't know. And people get upset, you know, because um, you're letting people down constantly. Um, same with family, like... There's so much I want to do with my family that I just can't. And, you know, they get upset as well. It's like, well, you did this yesterday. Why can't you do this today with me if you did that with them type of thing? And it's like two totally different days. I don't know I'm going to be. It's not that I don't want to. I really want to. It's just I just can't move today <laughs> You know, type of things. So, yeah, it's really difficult. Like it changes your life and... I've come to accept things more, but I find it's harder for other people to accept me how, how I am. Um, but, yeah. And I've also learned that I have to say no, I'm a bit of a people pleaser because when I don't say no and I push through my limits, that could be me wiped out for a couple of weeks and I could just be in bed really poorly and they're not there then, you know, like who's picking up the pieces, <laughs> you know, when I'm poorly through it. So... Yeah. Yeah, I've had I've had to definitely learn no's okay, um, and it it does upset people. It, it takes a bit of getting used to for people when you normally are yes. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely something that a lot of people who suffer from anything chronic have in their personality traits. Most of us have been from an early age people pleasers, and I I think that then leads or adds to chronic health conditions because we're pushing through our limitations and we've kind of put our own needs aside as well in order to keep others happy. It was interesting that you said that, having to say no and having to make these changes within your life to keep you 
from going into another flare up and um, pacing yourself or like you say having what seemed like a good day one day and it's it's never good there's always stuff in the background but then you have to cancel them the next how they decide to deal with that as well i i think that it's safe to say that you realize who was in your life to gain from you because yeah if you decide that you can't give as much and that is enough to put people in an awkward or funny position with you like they've actually they've not sat with their feelings they can't describe it but the only way to for us to say it is like they're disgruntled or they're huffy because they think that you're at it you're being selective how come you're okay for this but not for me but you need to honor the fact that you have your own needs and interests and hobbies and in order to stay sane through it all and to cope and tolerate you have to honor your own passions and interests you have to leave something for yourself to keep your mental health good to keep you feeling positive but if you're going to let go of all that and just keep yourself completely for the service of others it's a strange concept that they're asking for really that's that's what they're asking for you should keep yourself good completely so that you can give to all these people what advice would we give to others i know that mentally it's affected you you had that previously before you were just diagnosed anyway you struggled with your mental health um if anyone wanted to hear about your mental health and how that played a, a huge role in your your relationship with alcohol they can go back on the podcast and find that from last year the title is is alcohol your culprit so that's quite interesting you were talking about how alcohol added to your emotional state and created more drama and just got you in this cycle you were already dealing with mental health aspects but the manifestation of endometriosis and fibromyalgia brought new concepts to the table because you then had these new dynamics which then had to make you think more about the mental aspects all over again so things like the loss of social life the loss of your job even or your ability to do the things that you've done before and it's almost like you're going through a grief of the person you used to be you're frustrated you're putting up a resistance because you're trying to be that old version of yourself to keep everyone happy going through that transition what advice can we give to people now we've gone through it it's okay to say no what other people think of you is none of your business you can't change how they feel and they're not going to be there when you're having a full-blown flare-up because you've been saying yes it's not going to do you any good you're just going to get resentments over it it's not going to do your inner peace any good um try and stay away from dramas and toxicness and things like that just distance yourself from it it can feel a bit lonely at times. Um, there's some great groups like on Facebook and things like that with people in the same situation. Get chatting to those. And there are people that will understand, um, people that want to be in your life for you just as you are. You know, it, it's okay. Some people might disappear a little bit, but it's it's okay. You will find your circle and um, it will be okay. You know, there's times like I felt like I was just existing, and but it does come right it we get along just in a new way really you know it's just a different way that's all but you can be happy definitely i think it can steer you towards embracing your true self as well 
I know for myself, until I had that period where I could hardly leave my house for about a year and I went through definitely what I would say is loneliness was the most awful feeling I think I've had to endure in my life was that time. I, I was the kind of person that was looking for validation and happiness from an external source. And the more that the more valid that I felt, the more happiness I would have. And then that being forced upon me of almost like pressing pause on your whole life and everyone else's life moving around you, it forced me to sit with my feelings. And that fear of missing out definitely was something that had to be processed and had to be purged out of my body. So I got over that definitely that year um, as much as it was a lonely, sedentary experience. It also helped me explore all of the ways in which I could take back my power and take back responsibility for my health and get rid of that bitterness and that resentment. And I think you're probably going to be the same. It's a very frustrating process to go through when you are waiting for a diagnosis and you feel invalidated and Quite often, you'll come to points where they've tested what they can within their means, and then they tell you that it's unexplainable, so therefore we're going to say it's fibromyalgia or it's chronic fatigue, and then you try and accept that. But in our um, personal experience, we've found that it's it's led on to branch off onto other illnesses, and it's hard to tell through all the blur, isn't it, what started first? And you could send yourself insane trying to figure it out, googling everything and then that's putting out an energy of not being in control a resistance because you have to find out for yourself a distrust of the medical profession but that is so strange how that can turn around I don't know if you feel this as well now it's almost like you went through that very long process of being referred to to various people various departments various tests I mean if I was to go through the rundown of all the tests I've had (laughs) It's been pretty crazy. Um, Invasive procedures. You wouldn't put yourself through invasive procedures if you weren't like so desperate to feel better. And that's what we need to put out there to those that are trying to understand people in their families or friendship groups that they think, oh, but they're so negative and I think it's all in their head or they just need to get motivated. This has been going on for quite a while now. I'm not sure it's anything that they can figure out. You know, it's all that we've had to come through. If it were that easy or fixable, would do it. Yeah, and I think that it's crazy how that can really make you feel quite isolated because you're already isolated if you've had to step back from your work, step back from your social life. In some ways, your family dynamics are changing because as much as we feel that we've maybe got people that understand us in our family or that have been there for us, we've got very close relationships, it can throw that up in the air as well where they're trying to understand you from their experiences and their standards and their level of understanding. It can feel like families can be ruffled a bit as well and can be quite testing of the relationships and who is going to be there for you or who is going to be chatting about you behind your back. And we can get into all sorts of you know, rabbit holes with that, of like then that sets off our paranoia, then that makes us feel unloved, then that makes us feel nobody understands us, um, we're invalidated by the medical professionals so we're then in this low vibrational state so when we're in a low vibrational state then 
how can we welcome anything positive to come back into our life and steer us in a different direction. There's, there's so many layers to it. It's unreal. And we could probably do a whole workshop, like three hours um, with women on this. And that, that's an idea if you fancy that in the future, Cheryl. <laughs> I'm up for that. I'm definitely up for that. Yeah, it's it's amazing how it can turn around. And I guess that's the message we're trying to get out there. We're, we are speaking to you from that position of having been there, having felt invalidated, having felt that we've had to compromise and change our careers several times because that is us trying to adapt. From a distance, it might look to people like she's not trying enough, but they don't understand how much we've tried to make adaptions around this illness rather than trying to find ways that we can be accommodated in life to give our best to our careers, to give our best to our families, to give our best to our friends. It's all about flipping it around a bit, actually, and looking at ways to be accommodated when you're dealing with a chronic chronic condition. I had to learn as well that I'm enough as I am. It's okay. I don't need to be doing, you know, high-powered job or this, that, or the other. I am enough as I am. And that took a lot of learning for me and, you know, acceptance. It's a huge thing that I cover in workshops as well. It's about the achieving era that we were born into around the 80s and how that that grew into this kind of almost like a disease of everyone feeling the need to be validated because we're told that you can be ever, anything you want and that you you can be special and then that kind of power of suggestion made you feel that you weren't enough already in some ways stressful is that i find really stressful in terms of the medical stuff though did you find that once you finally had the right tests or were in the right department if it changed anything for you when you finally or found the evidence using tests or technology to to diagnose you did you feel that that you were suddenly validated more did you feel yeah I, I did actually because it was kind of like there in black and white um certain things like my endometriosis and like I'd obviously been told by the doctor you know about the fibromyalgia and everything and once it was said by then it's kind of like because people tend to I, f- I feel like sometimes they just don't believe you <laughs> um it kind of like look there is type of thing you know and I went and had my procedure for my endometriosis and everything and yeah it did it was a bit of a relief actually getting that from the doctor um just for family and friends and work especially work because you know it's like with having time off and things like that and I feel like people do talk about you because it's just it's not normal to them that somebody's so poorly so often and it's like you've got your symptoms and then when viruses are going around I feel that like we're more susceptible like I'll catch everything because of it so it definitely yeah I felt more validated getting getting that. That's a good point that you made because there can be employers or work colleagues that know of someone that is perhaps going through a mysterious, labelless period of their life where they're not, they've not been able to work the same or they're going through something. And those labelless periods, it's like you get the label, you get the validation. Don't forget that a lot of people are going through that period where they've not been diagnosed yet and it can take a number of years. In the case of endo, it's eight years on average for myself. I had been around 10 years before chronic fatigue syndrome was diagnosed. However, that then transpired that later on, I was diagnosed with an esophageal condition that was pretty rare. And therefore, that had been obviously causing 
some of the underlying issues. So who knows if that had been there all along and causing the chronic fatigue or endometriosis had been there all along causing things. So it's probably something quite important that we're discussing here for those that probably have had a little person's name pop up in their mind. They're like, oh yeah, that person that's a pain, that's always moaning, always complaining. We're generally quite positive people now and anyone that follows our social media would think that we aren't really in that space of someone that moans and complains a lot and is resentful and bitter against the NHS. But I can put my hand up and say I was there. So please try and understand the people that are there. It's difficult to know the right things to say. But one thing is unsolicited advice can be quite raw. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And if you have someone saying to you, they've sat with you for maybe, say, five minutes, and they've listened to part of your story, and then they'll say something like, ah, well, I mean, have you tried? It could be a deficiency in iron. Have you tried? You should take vitamins, (laughs) things like that. Please bear in mind that this can be really a trigger because most people have gone on such a soul journey. They might not necessarily be there and be aware of an aspect that you are wanting to bring forward to them. A lot of people have to get there themselves. And I would definitely advocate a holistic approach. You might feel that you've tried everything, but we're always learning and we don't know everything. For the rest of our lives, we're never going to know everything. And I think it's such a journey when you can make a link, particularly when it comes to the things that we put in our bodies, things that we absorb and our energy. We might not even be aware that we're the kind of person that adapts to other people's energy or we absorb other people's emotions. We don't protect ourselves from drama. So from that point of view, you've admitted you're still in that journey where you're finding it difficult. Yeah. Yeah. Inflammatory foods, definitely one for one for the looking at. Um, my lifestyle used to be very much, I didn't even question what I put in my mouth. Um, I was gr- brought up in a very Scottish, working class kind of West Coast Co- Scotland environment where it was just like, life's too short, what are you talking about? Yeah. You know? And nobody questioned like what you were drinking either. It was just like, a glass of water was unknown when I was young. It was like iron brew, teas, coffees, fizzy juices, fruit juices and things like that. Yeah, the amount of inflammatory foods I would have been having, I feel definitely would have been contributing to what I had going on. And inflammatory foods, for those that it's a whole new concept to, are things like dairy, gluten, meat, especially processed meat, refined sugars, unnatural sugars, things that are highly processed that was mostly my diet. Talking about an eat well plate, my, my diet was just all beige. I don't know about you. <laughs> it's like beige food. Um, and then the other aspect is looking at how much pressure we're putting on our liver. It's controversial because obviously he doesn't have a medical profession stamp, the medical medium. I'm just going to describe really what he covers Medical medium basically has looked into the concept that our livers in a healthy individual are, made, are meant to deal with all the toxins um, and process them on a daily basis so it doesn't actually affect your body completely. But the medical medium goes into the concept that it's talking about how endometriosis he feels is linked to an overloaded liver. It's the fact that 
it's dealing with so much more toxins than, than what our ancestors would have dealt with that it's got an excess overload and what happens is when the liver can't process it it sends it to other places in the body basically and it's the endocrine system that gets affected so our glands that secrete the hormones they are altered and therefore that's when your uterine lining gets sent elsewhere and it's really looking at ways to unburden the liver so it's not just taking things to detox it's looking at like what we've explored greatly in the last few years um ways in which we can reduce absorption of these things so not only are you looking at your food sources um the amount of inflammation that comes from your foods but the, the endocrine disruptors within foods the chemicals that are in foods also within the meats and the vegetables anything at all that we've tried to force to be perfect um, fertilizers pesticides and even things like coffees alcohol cigarette smoke and the things that we absorb through our skin like our, our products i know for one you're you're a hair dye queen like me that's one thing that i looked at when i started trying to think about the toxins that i absorb through my skin um all the chemicals in our hair dyes um if anyone's interested and they wanted to do research there, there is you know reliable sources of studies online that you can look up to show you the main chemicals in in our high street hair dyes and how they altered sometimes from a neurological sense the lab rats mice that were in used in experiments and that got me changing a lot of things so i've tried to steer away from all of the things that you put on your skin and make it minimalistic and make it more natural organic if possible so that was one theory if anyone's interested they can look up the medical medium he also wanted to highlight a particular virus that he feels is involved and this was quite an eye-opener for me when i looked it up so epv the epstein-barr virus has been on the go since the 1960s it was discovered in the 60s but it's been ongoing since 1900s really so um they made a connection with this and this is something that's really not covered mainstream at all and when you read up on the statistics you're like why do we not know about this so just to give you some statistics on it some information here there's like a secret epidemic and out of roughly 320 million people in the, the united states over 225 million americans have some form of it and then another thing that i read it was as much as nine out of ten or ninety percent of adults have epv in their systems and it can be either dormant or it could be active or it could be like having made um long-term effects on your health a bit like what we're seeing with covid as well some people might have had it like a cold but later on it's manifest into longer term effects on their body or it's compromised their immune system so it's saying that it's responsible for a lot of mystery Ill illnesses and in new scientific evidence they've come to confirm so the findings from a study scientists at Cincinnati Children's Hospital had reported that the Epstein-Barr virus is increasing the risk for some people of developing seven other major diseases. And here's the diseases that they've decided it was linked to. Lupus, 
multiple sclerosis, rheumatoid arthritis, juvenile idiopathic arthritis, inflammatory bowel disease, celiac disease, and type 1 diabetes. And combined, those seven diseases affect about 8 million people in the United States. Obviously, this is a, a US kind of um, study that was done. But yeah, it's, it's shown that the protein that's produced by the virus it's able to bind to a lot of locations along the human DNA strands that are associated with about seven diseases. And it's saying overall, the study sheds new light on how environmental factors such as viral or bacterial infections, a poor diet, pollution, or other hazardous exposures can interact with the human genetic blueprint and they have disease influencing consequences. So, that was that's really interesting that was eye-opening for me so i feel like not just looking at the root of an anti-inflammatory um diet you know i was talking about the stuff that causes inflammation like the inflammatory foods but there's a lot of things that you can take that are anti-inflammatory um anti-inflammatory foods that you can take um you can, can incorporate more into your everyday life but also things like turmeric um aloe vera lots of herbal things that you can add to your diet that can help all your fiery spices for those that don't have any problems with spices they can really help have an anti-inflammatory effect and inflammation is the root of all disease so at least if you try and curb that a little bit it can help looking at your stress levels and how you can manage them looking at what you absorb through your skin and your environment but also that's the that's the one route that i had not really targeted when i was trying to do body reset I was trying to reset all these aspects of like human biology, mindset, um, trauma, healing from an energy point of view. And I totally forgotten about the viral aspect. So that's opened up a whole new, new door for me. And I'm going to concentrate on more of an antiviral approach. And that's looking at oh, drinking a lot of celery juice, which apparently binds to a lot of these viruses within the system that have embedded themselves um, and helps you flush them out but also using oregano oil capsules which i found amazing for utis in the past that was my old faithful so i'm going to try that as well and i'm not going to say that everyone can do this it's always best that you check with your gp and your head of your your healthcare. but colloidal silver also has been known to be amazing for certain viruses that are hard to shift. And it's worth mentioning parasites as well that sometimes can have gotten embedded within our intestinal tract. You can use things like black walnut um, and psyllium husk to help you know, move things out your bowels. But I'm going to try and go the antiviral route as well as all the other things that we've done with our life, made changes. How do you feel with learning about that? <laughs> That is so interesting and it's been eye-opening for me as well, especially as seen as I've taken so much medication over the years and the things you were taking about, saying about herbal things and all that type of thing. You know, there's so much side effects from medications. You can often feel worse taking the medications in a way, you know, or have um, more things happen to you, you know, because of the medications. So it's a bit of a, and I'm not saying don't take medications, always see a doctor, but it's nice to have like more options and more hope you know um I totally understood what you were saying about the liver because we're just not meant to have all these toxins and things in our livers not 
meant to process all that. We're supposed to be like eating fruits and veg and not have all the chemicals on them and things like that. So it's it's putting the liver and the kidneys and everything under so much strain. And I could see how like um, that can make the endometriosis a lot worse. Like it, it's all the toxins, the poisons and everything. Like it does make a lot of sense. It was really interesting as well when you explore it. It seems to be around the same kind of time period, so the 50s and the 60s. There's also links to hormonal contraceptives. So around the 50s is when there was a huge increase and people discovered that the pill was a great answer to, like, you know, family planning and um, also things in terms of, like, bad period pains and heavier periods. People were relying on it for that and it was deemed completely safe. And we're not saying that it's unsafe. Everyone's unique. Everyone's got their own circumstances. Some people will not be as sensitive than others. I can definitely put my hand up and say that I'm really sensitive to hormonal medications. I've tried them all. I've explored implants, injections, the coil. I've also tried several oral contraceptive pills. I would have really strange side effects. It would make me really fatigued. You're the same, do you feel? Yeah. Yeah, I had exactly the same reactions. Um, contraceptive contraceptives are horrendous for me I've had the injection I've had the implant I've had the mini pills I've had the full combined pills and everything and a lot of them I just bled all the time on and my moods would be horrific I'd either be angry or just sobbing my heart out like they really affected me um so I were absolutely no good on them but I was put on them as well to help sort my periods out and the pain and everything and it, it just didn't <laughs> yeah and I think it's we're not trying to point fingers at one aspect that's the cause of everything but it's something that we should have the right to explore as an individual because we are all so unique perhaps looking at all these things and I think it's it's interesting when you you delve in to see that the 1950s with the introduction of hormonal medications but also that was around the time where that virus Epstein-Barr virus was in discovery so perhaps with them two things combined we might not necessarily be getting the crucial link here to how women have ended up with hormone imbalances being so normalized it's almost like you're a woman these things happen Mm -hmm. It's, it's just common like for so many people to have endometriosis or polycystic ovaries or you know fibroids or maybe they're not having those but they're having problems with fertility we've got to find the missing links here and i think enrich yourself with the knowledge and do what you can um so yeah been really interesting talking to you if you would like to follow cheryl online she has a youtube channel entitled beauty with cheryl and is also on instagram as cheryl.johns that's cheryl.j-o-h-n-z You can also follow myself for similar content on health and wellness and higher consciousness at saffron underscore Jennifer on Instagram. That's saffron underscore Jennifer on Instagram, also known as Serenity Sister. And I'm also on Facebook under Serenity Sister. You have the ability to listen to previous podcasts over the last year or two on serenitysister.co.uk or on Anchor or Spotify. Take care for now.